we come to this special Sunday each year, um, I was drawn to this text this year, maybe a little unusual text for Sanctity of Life, but I think there's some important truth here. In fact, as I thought about it, Sanctity of Life Sunday is a call to magnify God's mercy and grace in the midst of all the evil, the guilt, the vexing that is caused by the sin that the world is plagued with. And I want you to know this morning, and I don't know uh, myself, but there could be some ladies here this morning that have had an abortion. I don't know. But I want you to know God is a forgiving, grace-filled God. That is such an important truth. Therefore, if we repent, as the Bible says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we are sincerely repentant, the absolute promise of God is he will forgive. The darkness listed in 1 Peter 2.9 is a darkness that conveys evil of all kinds. And we'll look at that in just a minute. But I want us to think about this morning. You know, I think sometimes we pastors think we got to stand up here on Sanctity of Life Sunday and convince you that abortion is wrong. I don't think I have to do that today. I don't think we have to do that in any way, shape, or form. There's many, many, many ways to look at it in Scripture. In fact, we just celebrated Christmas, and I remind you, what did the angel say? Mary is great with an embryo? No, great with child. Great with child, just one of the many things. Proverbs 6 says, These six things does the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination. You remember what the first one is? Hands that shed innocent blood. I can't think of any more innocent blood than the blood that would be shed at an abortion of a baby in the womb. Make sense? But this morning, I'm not going to stir us up to go out and protest somewhere. I do think we need to be involved in government work and sharing the truth and letting our legislators and others know um, the evil of abortion and the blight it's going to bring on our country. But I want today to focus on how this text reminds us that as a holy nation, a peculiar people, we are called to show forth the what? Praises of God. Praises of God. And I think there's a number of things here that are important for us. In fact, I've listed... um, what I think are um, four things to notice in the text about how you and I can show forth the praises of God in the midst of an abortion-demanding and performing world. 42.4 million just last year. So I want us to see four things from our text. Number one is found in verse 9, where it says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him 
who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The first thing that I think is important for us all is to acknowledge that we have all been in darkness. All been in darkness. God gives us words in Scripture. And they're the kind of words that convey a broad spectrum of specific issues or sins. Darkness would be one of those words. It has multiplied applications. Abortion is certainly darkness. Adultery is darkness. Murder is darkness. Lying is darkness. But then this is where it touches more home to you and I. These are just my words, although they came from Scripture. Envy is darkness. Pride is darkness. Lust is darkness. Gossip is darkness. Our text is conveying the broad idea that we are called, notice it there in verse 9, out of darkness. And notice it doesn't just say light. What kind of light does it say? Marvelous light. The the light that the Lord Jesus brings in and to us as our Savior. And so I think it's important that you and I constantly remind ourselves that we are not some special creature that hasn't dealt with darkness. We've all had it. I wrote this, let's be involved in every walk of life with being honest about our own darkness and never let us think we are without sin. You remember Jesus had multiplied encounters with the religious crowd. Remember some of their names? Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, that group of people. And on more than one occasion in the gospel, Jesus talks to people, talks to those people about their missing their own darkness. Maybe the classic example was the occasion when the Pharisees came dragging a lady with them, adult lady. And they come up to Jesus and they thrust the lady in front of Jesus and say, Jesus, this lady was caught by us in the act of adultery. What do you say to that, Jesus? By the way, they came to trap him. It was quiet. Can you imagine what they were thinking? We got him now. We got him now. Remember what Jesus said? Well, gentlemen, here's what we're going to do. Any of you that have no sin, you get to cast the first stone. Because it called for stoning, the Old Testament did, stoning for adultery, didn't it? Well, 
wasn't too many seconds or minutes. They all walked away, except the lady. Jesus looks at the lady and says, where are thine accusers? She didn't know. They left. Jesus didn't say adultery is okay. She said, neither, he said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and what? Sin no more. Jesus isn't about condemning us. He's about redeeming us, rescuing us from our sin. Have you read about some of the horrific, emotional, vexing things that happen to women that have abortions, that don't experience the love of Jesus and the forgiveness that he can give? Oh, my goodness. Terrible. Terrible. But God has called us to not act like the Pharisees, Ha-ha, we caught that lady. But constantly thinking about our own level of darkness. And, you know, I, I, um, I got to thinking about how easy it is, particularly, and I've shared with you my testimony, I grew up going to church. I trusted Christ as Savior at the age of 15. Been in church virtually all my life. And you know what the danger is in that? I'm okay. We're not okay. We're not. I'll tell you, it's a humbling thing to, and I think it gets to be more humbling the older you get, when you think about some of the things that you've lived and done in the past and how God has forgiven and brought, I think of me, me to this present point. What a great God we serve. Redeeming, forgiving, grace-filled. He told that lady, I'm not condemning you. Trust me, go, don't sin anymore. But you know who the disappointing people were in that story? The Pharisees. They walked away patting themselves on the back. They certainly weren't going to say, well, Jesus, I've committed sin. Uh, Let's see if my neighbor here could throw the first stone. No, they just left. They knew they were guilty, but what weren't they? Repentant. They weren't repentant. That's what God has called us to. And can I also remind you, when you look at the text again, look at chapter 2, verse 9. We're there. Um, You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath, notice the phrase, called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I wrote this down as my second point. God calls sinners out of darkness because he is light and came to bring light. Do you realize if you know Jesus as your Savior today, 
It's not because you're smarter than other people. It's not because you're wiser than other people. It's not because you were born in America. It's none of those things. It's because God, in his mercy, at some point in your life, knocked on your door with the truth of the gospel. You heard it. And at that point, you had to decide, will I choose to yield to Jesus or not? I tell you, I think back to that altar call invitation when I was 15 in Moline, Illinois. And I told you that in the Salvation Army, altar call was a big deal. You know why? Because the preacher, they called them core officers, would finish preaching. He would make the invitation. And then he would just walk around. Seriously, I'm telling you the truth. He'd walk around like this. I'm sitting there thinking, do not stop and talk to me. You know what I'm saying? Just to be honest. Just to be honest. Well, I was under conviction. You know what? He stopped. He said, Bob, you've been coming to this church a long time. I was 15, all 15 here. God's spoken to you today? <laughs> yeah. Walk to the altar. And a young, in the Salvation Army, it's all by rank. A lieutenant dealt with me. Okay? His name was Jerry, i never forget his name, Jerry Skorzewski. Good Swedish guy. And, um, uh, actually, a real Polish guy. But, um, and, and you know, I still remember the struggle that I had. And you know what my struggle was? Same as some of you might be having today. Well, if I become a Christian, then I no longer will be able to do this, talk that way. I had a whole list of things. And I'll never forget what Lieutenant Skorzewski did. He was probably 25, I guess. I can't remember now exactly. And he took out his keys. And he said, see that key right there? That's for my car. Whose car is it, Bob? Is it your car, Bob? No, it's not my car. It's your car. You know what this... What this key says, I'm the one in charge of that car. And he handed the keys to me. I was 15, I didn't even have a driver's license. He said, here's the keys. It's your car now. You know what he was saying to me? Bob, you only have to give up one thing in life. Your will. Doing what you want to do. Demanding your way. And we all sit here this morning, and inside of us, we know there are things that we want to do. And young people, I talked to you this morning specifically. Don't live your life 
telling God what you want to do. Tell God, I'll do anything you want me to do. There are a lot of people in here that will tell you, and I'll be one of them. You get to be my age? And I say, why didn't I surrender earlier? Don't waste any years. You know better. It works all through life. I've had a number of people say to me, well, Pastor, what are you going to do when you retire? Here's my, here's my statement that I want you to hold me accountable to. I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart. I'm not going to lead to my own understanding. In all my ways, I want to acknowledge him. Why? Because he promises to do what? Direct my path. Not just me, you. All of us. The biggest obstacle that Lieutenant Skorzewski was trying to convey to me was, hey, Bob, it's not a long list of do's and don'ts. It's surrender your will. And I'll remind you that when you and I are a slave to Jesus Christ, you won't have a better, fairer, kinder, gentler master than the Lord Jesus Christ. No problem being a slave when you got that kind of master, would you agree? Not a terrible thing in any way, shape, or form. So our text contrasts the truth that We've all been in darkness. But Jesus has come and he has revealed himself to us. If you're here today and you've never individually, it's not a family matter, it's individually, received Jesus Christ. Repented by saying, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've done wrong. I'm not pretending I'm okay. And Jesus I accept that you came to this earth, lived a perfect life, no sin. And they nailed you to a cross. They put you in a borrowed tomb. But Jesus, you rose again the third day. That's how you and I get saved. Jesus is God. And Jesus wants us, he's calling us to what? Trust him. Trust him. We are to be light. We are to be light in this world. Jesus said in John 8, I am the light of the world. He that believeth, or excuse me, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Jesus wants us. To be lights. We're definitely lower lights. But what a privilege to be light in a dark world. When you and I shine a light on something, do we injure that light? I mean, do we injure that object? No. We just reveal that it's there. And that's the point I'm trying to make. We don't have to live angry, mean-spirited, Venge-filled, hate-filled toward abortionists or those that have had abortions. 
This text says what? We need to show forth the praises of Him who hath called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. I like what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks, foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Let's never forget and be grateful for God's grace that he's extended to us. Because we were in darkness. And those out there by the millions that are still in darkness, they don't need our hatred. They need to see the glorious light that this text is talking about of Jesus Christ. Number three. Notice the clear admonition that as lighted believers... We are called, here's the phrase for the title, to show forth the praises of God. All of our words, all of our actions should show forth God's praises. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You and I need to constantly, constantly be Immersing ourselves in the Word of God, washing ourselves the water of the Word, that we can be the kind of light that can love the darkness. In fact, that brings me to my fourth point, and the one that maybe hit me the hardest as I was reading in this text. Here it is As lower lights, we must be holy but not hidden. Holy, but not hidden. Notice what it says. First of all, it says in verse 9, we're a holy nation. Verse 11, we're we're to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. That word abstain means to hold off from. The word fleshly means carnal. It literally can mean animal instinctiveness. You ever seen animals fight? You ever seen a good cat fight recently? Boy, they can be pretty, uh, pretty, uh, what do I want to say, attacking of each other? It's exactly what the scripture, Peter is admonishing us, not to be unholy, not to be carnal and fleshly, but to put off the old things. Except that we have darkness, walk in light by putting off the dark things that we have been um, involved in and daily live in such a way that we let our light shine. What's, what's Matthew say? Let your light so shine before men that they may what? See your good works. You know what the abortion industry needs? More light. More light. And that is really the second part here. We're not, look at verse 12. Look at verse 12 of 2. 
having your conversation, your conduct, honest where? Among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your, what is it? Good works, which they shall behold or see, glorify God in the day of visitation. We're not talking about here hiding our holiness and just avoiding everybody. The call here in this passage is to live holy lives and let that light of holiness shine everywhere we go. You know what the great danger is? Thinking that we want our holiness or we only let our holiness show at church. Our holiness needs to show everywhere we function and we operate. Home, work, where we shop, all those things. Holy, but not hidden. Holy, but not hidden. Titus says this, who gave himself for us, speaking of Christ, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. You notice the, you notice the last phrase? Zealous of good works. That's not passiveness. That's intentional living. That is choosing to let holiness, let right living, biblical living, shine forth and not be hidden in any way, shape, or form. My question to you this morning is this. Are you engaged with people outside of church that you can be a glorious light to? You know, uh, for a couple years now I've been uh, pointed on this Clay County Children's Services Fund, giving out a quarter cent sales tax money to various organizations. And I, I shared with you that I really feel like the Lord did a mighty thing because I recommended Rachel House. Rachel House submitted a grant application for $60,000, and the board unanimously approved it. And I think they've gotten quite a bit of the money already. Well, anyway, we met last Wednesday. Meet once a month. And there's a guy that I wasn't sure what his position in life was. Well, I knew what his position was. He's a high-paid attorney for a big uh, attorney firm downtown. You know, big tall buildings, mahogany-lined offices, all that kind of thing. And... Um, we finished our meeting last week, and he comes up to me and he says, Bob, where do you pastor at? And I said, Eagle Heights Baptist Church, and I handed him one of our tracks. He said, um, I'd like to visit church sometime. I don't know if he's going to come. If you see a big, tall guy named Clint, that's the man. That's the man. And all I'm saying is this. I really didn't, hadn't had any opportunities in these couple of years, meeting once a month, 
to really talk to him about the Lord. And we were a big group, and there's all these people there because of the sunshine law, listening to everything. And, um, but, you know, I was so encouraged because when I listened to the vote for the Rachel House, it was a public vote, wasn't it? He voted for it. And I thanked him. And so all I'm saying is this. You and I have the greatest opportunity to let our light shine in a place that's the greatest darkness. Where sin doth abound, grace doth what? Much more abound. We ought to be walking grace dispensers. Right? Or light dispensers, whatever you want to say. That's what we need to be. I want to say one other thing about this important balance between being holy and not being hidden. We live in a world that a lot of Christians think the only way I can minister to the lost world is to be involved just a little bit in their worldliness. You know what I'm talking about? Well, if I'm going to win the alcoholics and the drunkards, I just got to social drink a little bit, it'll make me accepted. Wrong. Do you think about how foolish that idea is? Anybody ever been involved in prison ministry? I've gone many a time talking through this big glass thing there to somebody. You know what? I don't have to go out and kill somebody to minister to a murderer. Make sense? What we're talking about is the significance. of This is what this passage is talking about. How can you and I show forth the praises of God in the midst of utter darkness? And the answer is, we can choose Christ and holiness and let our light shine. Not attacking people, not being disrespectful, not being unkind. In fact, I'm going to read a quote from Matthew Henry. Anybody use Matthew, Matthew Henry's commentaries? Oh, man, the guy was unbelievable. <clears throat> he wrote this in his commentary on the whole Bible. You can find it on page one, 1019. He had a little bit of writing skill when you write a book that's 1019 pages. <clears throat> Here's what he said, and I quote, now, I'm going to stop short of the end of the sentence to get your attention, okay? Here's what he says. The wicked must be honored. Now, there's no period there, by the way. There's a comma. Finish the sentence. The wicked must be honored, not for their wickedness, but for any other qualities such as wit, I think he means humor, prudence, courage, eminency of employment, their position in life, or the hoary head, they're just old. Then he goes on and he says this, Abraham, Jacob, Samuel, the prophets and the apostles never scrupled, that is, um, did away with their principles, to give due honor to bad men. 
I thought that was a remarkable statement that Matthew Henry made. What is he saying? He's saying when you and I interact with people in the world, it's not going to be our anger. It's not going to be our tremendous intellect that's going to change them. It's going to be giving them the truth, exposing the light of Jesus Christ, ministering to them the grace that only Jesus brings. So here are my takeaways from this Sanctity of Life Sunday in 1 Peter 2, 9-17. Let's not be hateful, negative, or dishonoring to those in darkness, no matter how dark they seem. We've all been there. And we're not where we are today because we're some special good people. Because we did what? One thing. Put our trust in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Number two, and my last point, let us prayerfully and intentionally live holy lives, but not hidden lives. Not in a little seclusion, but let's let our light so shine before men that they truly would see Good works. Why? Not to glorify me or you, but to glorify God. But to glorify God. That's what is being spoken of here in 1 Peter. He wants us to, and God wants us, to show the praises of God no matter how dark things get. I was telling the Sunday school class in here this morning that this week is the 75th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. Yep, 42 million babies aborted last year. How many million Jews were killed in a matter of a short amount of time there in Auschwitz and other camps. And I'm told that world leaders from all over are coming to Israel to show their respect and recognition for the horrific Holocaust that happened and the freedom that came through America and others to liberate that evil. You read about Corey Tenboom? Did you ever read about the occasion years after all of that happened to her? She saw many family members die in those concentration camps. She survived. She's actively involved in church, serving God after all of that. Till one day she had the ultimate test. She was kind of like a greeter. They didn't use that term when I read the book, but she was kind of one of those ladies that would welcome people and talk to people and be friendly to people at church. And a German guy walks in, and he says, I don't know how you say good morning in German, but good morning, Fraulein. She looked at him, 
he looked at her, their eyes were glued on each other. And do you know that she was looking at one of the men in the concentration camp that was involved in killing her family? And he stuck out his hand to shake her hand. Her hand wouldn't move. Glued to her side. Until you remember Jesus' words, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. We read about Joseph in Genesis 50 today in our Sunday school class. Brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Forgiveness. By the way, her hand got unstuck. She shook his hand. That's what this passage is saying. You and I are light. Marvelous light. Darkness is everywhere. Don't let your light go out. Don't let your light become, what is it, laser light that can cut through metal? We're not talking about that. We're talking about be the kind of light that brings glory to God. Speaks about our whole countenance, that we love the Lord Jesus. We love what he's done in our life, and we want to live for him. And no matter how dark your darkness, you can experience the marvelous light through Jesus Christ. That's what they need. Brother Francine, they won't listen. You know what? They may not listen now, but you keep building relationship and friendship. And there could come a time when they'll come to you and ask about your light. You don't know, do we? One thing we can do, we can be the kind of light that prays diligently for those that are contacts in our life that are in darkness. And we might minister to them. How about it today? Are you obeying the word of God and living in holiness? but desiring that holiness to be a light in the world, not a proud, haughty, strutting around, look at me, but a humble holiness that thanks God daily for all that he did to save you. What marvelous grace. Grace, grace, marvelous grace. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today because of what you did in sending your son, we can experience grace truly greater than our sin and our guilt. And my prayer, Heavenly Father, 
is that as a church family, in this new year, 2020, we understand that darkness is growing. And not only growing in numbers, but growing in intensity. And we see the abortion, sin everywhere. I pray, Lord, that you'd cut off the funding for any organization that engages in funding abortion. Lord, would you uphold the many states today that have passed legislation, signed into law by governors, to limit and eliminate the abortion sin. I pray, Lord, that the court system would uphold life. But Lord, since we're none of those, we can pray and we do pray that according to 1 Peter 2, that we would thank you daily for taking us out of darkness, giving us an opportunity to hear the truth of the gospel. Thank you for extending your grace to us and helping us be lower lights. Lord, thank you that you've not called us to mediocrity, but to holiness. So I pray that you would do a great work in and through this congregation. And we praise you and thank you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Jailene's going to play. And I um, just want to give you an opportunity this morning. I'm not going to sing, but if God has spoken to your heart about and specifically, I don't know, the thing that got my attention was from our text, that great balance between living holy lives, but not hidden lives, not fearful, not backward, not in isolation, but in the forefront. Point men for Jesus right out there being what we need to be. This week, this congregation, this group right here, will be involved with and see hundreds of different people. Let's be light, can we? Holy, bright light for the Lord Jesus.